You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the... Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) I'm just going to go with that instead. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. Uh, My name is Rusty. This is... uh, We're still in Oklahoma. Uh, still enjoying ourselves in this uh, wonderful state. And with me is Butters, of course, unfortunately. How are we, mate? Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, fortunately. Sorry, I'll get, yeah, mix my words right. up right. What yeah. episode are we up to, mate? I don't know. don't know. Lost. This is, we're so lost. 114? No. 15? No. 16? Go the other way. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't know. It depends what order we... Stop pinning me down to a schedule. I like to pin you down. <laughs> to a schedule. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, we've been messing around uh, around too long. We have a very special guest for this episode, uh, Wade Stinneville. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Wonderful. So for those who are not familiar with you, Wade, uh, you've got a, a long history in the precision rifle world. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've been shooting precision rifles for about 20 years, mm-hmm. um, being in the industry in some, some degree or another for most of that time. Yep. And, and currently you're running your own, well, you're running a few things. Yeah. Um, my, my rifle shop is Studeville Precision in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And I'm also a partner with, uh, Tate Streeter and Robin Smith in, uh, impact precision shooting in Tishomingo. We make, uh, actions and muzzle brakes and other rifle parts. I think you should have gone with Tishomingo as the name of the business. That's, that's a fun word to say. Tishomingo. Tishomingo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wonderful. Well, we impact. And well, actually, congratulations to you on Gunsmith of the PR, PRS and NRL top, top Gunsmith for 2018. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was that was a that was a surprise. I, uh, you know, you see all your your the uh, guys and your guns out on the on the range, but it was really surprising to see that there were that many. That many in the top, so I'm yeah, very and, blessed. And same with impact actions. Yeah, that's Number true. Well. Yeah, yeah. So you've gone from winning comps to winning stats. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> the winning comps has has dropped off some. <laughs> my change in focus. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, as you said, you've been shooting this for a long time. We we're privileged enough to go out with you yesterday, and thank you very much for taking us for a, a small little comp, which was really good fun. Um, but you, you know, you spoke of years ago of of just guys getting together and and shooting for the hell of it. Yeah, yeah. Even even what would were considered uh, um, the matches then were still you know less less uh, organized than what club matches are now. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, certainly come a long way. You were telling us about um, was you, you shoot with your brother a lot, or you? you yes, we uh, we used to shoot pretty much every Wednesday night. Myself, my brother, um, uh, some friends of mine, Frank and Addison would shoot sometimes. I had a, a nephew. Um, my dad used to shoot with us um, years ago. But, yeah, we'd get together and just shoot a, a, a small match. Um, generally, we would all bring a stage or two. <laughs> and the, the fun part about that was you got to work on your weak point because if somebody else there found your weak point, <laughs> then they beat you to death with it. So, uh, I bet. Yeah. So if you couldn't do something, then you were going to have, they were going to pick a stage that made you work on that every single week. So it actually worked pretty well. That sounds familiar. That's uh yeah, that sounds excellent. <laughs> uh, and 
uh, you know, no, no doubt. Obviously, yeah, guys would pick stages that they were they were good at and what they <laughs> yeah. put in, and then that would uh, tie that. But yeah, you, you, know, you said that that sometimes you'd put a blanket rule of no bipods or limited bags or anything along those. Oh, I guess you didn't have a lot of bags back then. Yeah, yeah, and you, um, <laughs> dirty old yeah, sock. Our our, uh, <laughs> our one bag was actually a sock with rice in it. A yep. lot of times, you know, and that was about <laughs> it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things have certainly uh, certainly come a long way. Yeah. And and how where did it come from 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 the the matches that yeah out the back on a Wednesday night to end up being a much more organised competition? Well, um, back back when I first got into into shooting, there were a few organised competitions, but there were just a few each year in the United States that we knew about. Right, and uh, so. You had to travel pretty far if you wanted to shoot some different ones, but mostly you just shot the couple of matches that were local. Um, some friends of mine started a um, kind of a group in Tulsa at the Red Castle Range where we would go shoot every couple of months or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, the real change occurred when Rich Emmons started the Precision Rifle Series. He started talking about it in 2011 and really was about bringing shooters together from different parts of the country to see who was the best shooter basically so that you know bring bring them together and uh actually in some kind of organized way so they could compete against each other yeah rather than just people saying oh, i'm i'm better or they, these guys are or whatever that's, yeah. that's right i remember francis cool he uh he came to a match at rifles only he's from california and uh nobody even knew his name and uh, he won the match and and uh, beat everybody. And, and when they called his name, everybody was looking around at each other like, who is that guy? We've never <laughs> even heard of him before. So it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, right. Do you remember what the, the one of the earliest uh, organized matches was, um, perhaps in PRS or even before? So um, Jacob Bynum has run matches forever mm. right at um, Rifles Only yep. in Kingsville. Um um, it seemed I never went up there, but it seemed like the ASC, the Allegheny Sniper Challenge, was a was a match okay. from the from the early days too. Yep, yeah. and that was at Rifles Only as well. No, that 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 was in that was in New York. The ASC okay. match was in New York. Yep, and then uh, there were um, club matches in California at the time too. Mm. And then, uh, so 2012 was the first season for PRS. That's that's correct. And yeah. you won that one. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah we I saw sure the, did. saw the big check on the wall there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, how do you know? Like, was there many matches that year for the series? Or um, man, if I it, it seems like there were about twelve, okay, about ten or twelve matches in the series that year, and uh, it's definitely grown. Every year since then, uh, this uh, this year I think we've got forty something matches <laughs> scheduled this year. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And did you get to did you get to most of them that first year, or did you? Um, I shot. I think the first year I shot four. I think I shot four matches prior to prior to the finale. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's still, still a good thing. I hear, hear, you know, we were listening to some of the interviews we did with guys that shot. Some guys are shooting 12, 15, 20 matches this year. <laughs> Mad, I just, I don't, I don't know how you get the time or that, yeah. but that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you do it either. I guess it depends on, depends on the job you have and, yeah, and those true. kind of things. But, uh, um, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an advantage to be able to shoot those mini matches. With the way the scoring is set up now, your top three scores count. Mm -hmm. So basically, any more matches than three that you shoot, you get a mulligan. If you yeah, will. yeah. get another chance. Yeah. What was it? What was it originally? Was it a similar story, or was it? It, it, it was. It, it's it's since since two thousand and twelve, it has been like that there have been some minor rule changes on what the scoring of the finale was worth mm -hmm. or how the scoring was figured within a match but it's always been set up since 2012 where the top three have top been three the, performances yeah, top three. yeah yeah okay very good and that was about time you were at surgeon or yes so uh i've been involved with surgeon i won't say off and on but in different degrees um Actually, I started the company in 2003 with uh, Preston Pritchett and uh, um, worked with him early on, kind of had some differences in how the business was going to ramp up. And I ended up I ended up leaving and uh, worked with him on, on certain projects like okay. PSR projects and things like that mm -hmm. and uh, was, was a, the captain of the shooting team. And then when Preston sold the business in 2000 and I think it was 11. Then I took over as president okay. as, as manager of surgeon at that time mm -hmm. for a couple of years until they moved to, to Phoenix. They moved so, away. Yeah. 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 And then that would be about, was that about the time you started? Yeah, that's your, right. Yeah. I started, uh, I started Studeville precision at the time and a rifle shop. And then shortly after that, um, we started impact precision. Started um, working on mm. working on ac actions at that point. So, how did that come about? Um, Tate and I shot together in club matches, mm -hmm. and uh, um, didn't he break one of your scopes? <laughs> he thought he did. That's right. <laughs> he really thought he broke one of my scopes, <laughs> but it was almost broke already. I guess you'd say. But uh, um, so we shot together yep. and. Uh, um, with the experience gained through surgeon, I had some ideas of how, of a better idea, mainly, um, to make the rifles easier to build rifles on and for customers to be able to rebarrel. And, and, uh, so we set our new action up so that timing was that timing, ignition timing was more adjustable with, with different trigger hangers rather than having to remove material to, to get a perfectly timed action. Mm -hmm. um, they're completely finished, assembled, and tested as they ship. And the headspace and index on the receiver and the bolt is such that barrels are interchangeable and even between different families of cartridges like 223, 308, and short magnum class. You can just change to a different barrel bolt magazine. You don't have to send your rifle back to the gunsmith. Wow, so, that's and pretty good. So is that? I mean, you go back when you when you started twenty twenty years ago, mm -hmm. and that, that stuff wasn't really conceivable, was it? A lot of the competitors back then shot factory Remington seven hundred rifles, and uh, um, the targets were a lot bigger, and we all shot three hundred eights and, <laughs> and mostly low power scopes. But uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely come a long way since then. But to, to be able to machine to the point where you can take that barrel out and, and just, or just send someone another one and have it screw yeah. in and be, be headspace correctly. Yeah. 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 I mean, Accuracy International definitely, um, pioneered that, that, that market. 
mm-hmm. and uh, did a, did a very good job of it. They build they build very good rifles. Um, I would say the choice if you want those kind of interchangeable barrels, the choice is whether you like um, chassis and 60 degree bolt throw type rifles more or whether you like conventional American style 90 degree actions. Yep. So, yep. yep. And, and has that, so has it been advancements in machining and ability to, to get those tolerances better that's allowed you to build the impact actions? I, I, I think so. I think, uh, um, you know, the, the, the possibility has always been there, but the cost, the cost to, uh, hold oh, those tolerances okay. before wouldn't be, acceptable to the public as far as cost of a cost of an action or components also i think that 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 now consumers value time Mm -hmm. relative to money differently than they did in the past where they may pay a little bit more for an action for a barrel to be able to get something that's going to work for them now and be able to buy their barrel when they need it it actually makes sense monetarily before just about everybody had to have two competition rifles because yep. one was getting worked on while they were shooting the other one. Yeah. And so it actually could, I guess, could save money in the end. Yeah. You could run one and have a spare barrel with yeah. you as, as needed. That's yeah. Right. Okay. And you've, you've seen people do that. That's been common. Now. Yeah. Yeah. A, lo- a lot of the competition shooters just have one rifle yep. at this point. Yeah. Mm. And so you run, you run a team as well through impact. Yeah, well, yeah. It's actually the Studeville Precision team, okay. but it's it's a shared, it's a shared team. Yeah, we we share sponsorship. Yeah, and and last year performed, performed quite well. Yeah, um, we uh, we had a we had a bunch of guys, uh, you know, in the top five, ten, and and twenty, and uh, yeah, we all all the guys on the team shot shot really really well. Mm. That's very good. Do you provide them coaching, or or, or you do their their gun work, or we we uh i i do i do their their rifle work um we help them with actions um we have some some other sponsors uh some of our team guys are are also sponsored by hornady mm-hmm. um bartline sponsors our entire team with barrels yep. um and uh yeah, I uh, I don't know about the coaching part because most <laughs> of them beat me these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, spending a bit of time with you yesterday, you can still see that you're you're very passionate about it and that you. Yeah, I, you I can, love it. Yeah, you can see that you can. I mean, you we we were out with your son yesterday, and it's sort of his first sort of a competition, if yeah. we call it yep. that. And yeah. and to see you after almost every stage of shot, being able to give him ideas and bits and pieces. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a good time. Mm, absolutely. And and so are you doing, you know, imagine you do that at matches and, and you enjoy sort of helping with. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's an important part of the sport. Not just, mm. uh, not just new people, you know, not just helping new people. We all do that. But I think that it's uh, the interaction and the, that being able to help each other—that's that's an important part of the of mm. the sport. And what do you what do you see as sort of pretty common common issues that perhaps our listeners could could take to heart pretty quickly? Well, so so the first thing I would say is that the best way to learn the issues and to see them and be able to identify them is to me is to work as an RO. That okay. it, that that I would say that working as an RO is one of the best learning experiences and probably better than actually competing if you just look for um 
if you just if you just watch what's going on, you really try to take that in. Um, you see people approaching stages with their their magnification too high, or trying to look through their scope before they find the target. You know, not not using proper preparation, visual preparation. Um, you see people almost always have a misfeed on the first round out of a magazine. And it's very often the fact that their bolt wasn't all the way back when they inserted their magazine. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, so just little things that you see besides, besides being able to see actual bullet trace and impact and all the things that you see and see it repetitively enough to where you can actually better judge what's going on than, than you can when you're shooting. But, uh, um, yeah, I think that, that that's an important part of that. That's very valuable to, uh, to learning and being able to help shooters. Mm. Yeah. You, you, I guess you, you get to leverage the, uh, mistakes of many other people in front of you. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's as you right. learn from theirs. And yeah. I guess then the challenge is to be able to, all those things you've seen, put them into practice, isn't it? That's right. That's, yeah. It's, it's hard when the buzzer goes off sometimes but yeah, sometimes all that preparation goes out the window as soon as that beep starts yeah <laughs> you yeah. forget everything yeah well you you know i certainly found it yesterday and it's no no surprise to anyone probably many people listening but as soon as one little thing goes <laughs> south during a stage yeah. or at the beginning of a stage or you tripped over walking to this you know whatever it is um kind of throws you out that's right it can be yeah. really hard to recover and and if you're not careful having one bad stage will throw you out for the next three. If you can't get your mind right again mm. and get back into it. And mm. yeah. Yeah. I may have had that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an excuse. <laughs> it's, it's a reason. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's, uh, something to work on. Absolutely. And, and but is, is there any tricks that you've used Wade for, you know, sort of, doing, um, I would say, I would say that, that I as a shooter am average. And most of the advantage that I have found myself has been in stage approach, um, or, or tactics. So in terms of, yeah, looking at the, the course of fire and, and yeah. And figuring out how, how I'm going to best, how I'm going to best attack the stage, basically where I'm going to shoot from, um, maybe even having a, a, an A plan and a B plan. So if something doesn't go right. You know, I know what I'm going to do to recover um, to where, let's say you have a bad stage and you get a few shots off that uh, there's a point where you're going to reset and come back and go back to what you originally had set rather than letting it cost you the entire 10 points, you know, Slide. something like that. Yeah. Okay. And and is that something that you, do you prepare that like when you get the match book or do you do that when you get to the stage or... Generally, I have to prepare when I get to the stage and I can look at it, but I do have to always re prepare that plan before I go to shoot because it's hard for me to process that much in, sh in a short amount of time. So I have to know that if, if things aren't going right, I'm going to do this. I have to have by my fourth round, I'm going to make this change and I'm going to do this or okay. something like that. And, and how do you find the, the stages for the matches you've been competing in recently? Have they become more, you know, compared to 20 years ago, they've become more challenging, more abstract, or a bit of everything? So I, I think the, the, the stages 
Um, the targets have become considerably smaller. Okay. Um, but the ballistics are better. You know, range finders are better. Back back many years ago, a lot of times we would we would use mill relation ranging to range most of the hmm. most of the targets on the range. But so the targets are smaller. But I would say in the last say two or three years, we've seen a trend towards higher percentage scores based on easier target engagement basically maybe where speed speed and and rifle manipulation is more important than actual raw accuracy Mm -hmm. and what's what's come of that is the winner of the match may shoot in the 90th percentile where a lot of the old matches you would you know 40 or 50 percent would Hmm. would win a match and is that is that a good thing or a bad thing or is it just different? Yeah, it's it's not necessarily good or bad. It's it's different. But I, one thing I do like about the structure of um, the organization, such as such as PRS, is that if there are certain kinds of matches that you like to shoot or you do well at, you can pick those matches and go to those type of matches to shoot. Okay, so like if yeah, you get to know sort of what type. Yeah, you know, I know Oklahoma match is often hot and windy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so and small small targets and more prone in Oklahoma okay. generally. Generally, where you know as you go east and the distances are shorter and the wind doesn't blow as hard, then usually it's more. Um, it's timing and manipulate weapons manipulation and those kind of things to be able to. And you might, you might have more score. movement or yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. And th- and that you will see that vary across the, is that match director or is that range or is it a bit of combination of, of all? It, it, it's a combination. I think it's, it's what the match director knows and likes and what the range allows. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, a lot of it probably more, more so than anything probably is the background of the match director. Okay. Yeah, what they're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. What um? What sort of stages do you like shooting most? I like shooting. Uh, I like shooting f- field stages, hmm. specifically stages where you don't have a certain thing you have to shoot off of or anything like that. Where, let's say, there's some rocks and stumps and whatever, and you're gonna walk over the ridge, find the targets, and shoot them, and you just have to do whatever you have to do to make it. To make it work, that those are my favorite. So you could shoot prone or off the rocks yeah. or yep. w- what it, whatever drive, it drive is. The truck up there. Solve the problem, <laughs> and if it's a blind stage, it's even better. Where you go make your own decisions and your own mistakes, and the next guy didn't see what you do, you move <laughs> off, and then he gets to make the same mistake that you just made. <laughs> <laughs> Have there been many matches, or it was early days, or at any point where you would arrive to the stage for the entire comp and not know what was about to happen? Um, yeah, there, there have been, uh, um, that, that's happened quite a bit. That's, okay. that's, that's happened. That's happened quite a bit. Some matches and some organizations more than others, but, uh, yeah, that, that's, that hasn't been uncommon over the years. That's how, you know, this, the matches we started, um, back home, um, we didn't even think of telling anyone what was going to happen. <laughs> we just, yeah. They, yeah. they'd rock up to the stage, the arrow would give them the brief and then they knew what they were about to do within the next two minutes or so yeah that's right i would say uh um 2010 11 was probably the first time i ever saw a matchbook 
Okay. Um, so whenever we shot matches and we kind of knew what was going on before that, it was because we had shot matches there before and they followed the same structure. So the first time anybody shot at these matches, they generally didn't have any idea what, <laughs> what was going to happen. Gonna and a lot happen. of times you didn't even know how, sometimes you didn't know even know how the stages were scored. Yeah, so okay. it made it very tough to decide how you were going to approach a stage. Yeah. Do you run any of those sort of matches, Butters, now? Or is it all sort of match books and people know what they're going on? Uh, generally, with all our club matches, no one really knows what's happening until the day of. Is it including you? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I used to get pretty organised and organise the match. Like, I'd draw up a little match book and whatnot the week of. Uh, lately, I haven't been making a match book, but I've pretty much been writing down what we'll do. Mm-hmm. Um and especially after a major match, uh, we tend to reshoot a lot of the stages that people saw in the major match, especially yep. for the locals. And then that way they have something to practice towards and I usually tell them at least a week in advance, we're going to be shooting stage three, eight, six and That's nine. Right. Yep. And then they go, right, I know what stages they are. I know what to expect. So I give them a little chance to practice at that. But quite often at the start of the year, I'll... I'll test some stages on people. You'll get excited about it. I'll get excited about it. And then they won't see it for six months until the two-day match. (laughs) And uh, that's generally how it's worked for us. But, (laughs) yeah, generally people don't generally know what's happening Mm. to an extent. And usually I don't either till the night before. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Way, with the the club scene over here, what sort of came first? Was it the, the big national series or the... The clubs were were healthy, or well, for the most part, um, the national matches were were first. That that was uh, that was um, that was first. But the club the clubs have grown so much, mm. and uh, it's it's been really good. I think that one of the one of the things that most shooters like the most about the club series, other than being local, is being one day matches where yeah. they don't have to take off a Friday or a Monday or anything like that. They can go shoot a match. And, uh, gosh, a lot of the club matches now have the same level of competition as the, if you will, national or regional level matches back years ago. Back then, yeah. they get You know, that match that we went to was 80 people, and there were some really good shooters there. Yeah. Um, obviously, a number of them, uh, you know, do shoot on the national stage mm-hmm. as well. And, um, yeah, it was... Uh, it was good, but it was quite it was quite uh, encouraging for new shooters. Has has there been times over the, the years where it's been hard to get new shooters on board? I I don't I don't think so. Um, I think that that long range shooting to anybody who likes to shoot, almost everybody I know that likes guns that ever gets a taste of long range shooting likes it, and long range shooting is just like a lot of other stuff. Whether it's uh, you know riding motorcycles or racing cars or fishing or anything else. If somebody comes and they show some interest, then there are so many great people that, Mm. you know, give them a gun and have them shoot and try to help them and, and get them started. And, uh, so it's, 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 it's definitely, it's definitely grown consistently because of that. And you, you see, I mean, from my, my observations from a long way away, but you, you see guys who, just entered the sport and within three or four years they're 
they're sort of right at the pointy end. Um, yeah. I guess, you know, they're, they're the type of people who put that dedication in, but it's, it's an approachable sport. It, it, it is. It's, it's, uh, it is impressive to see. I think one thing that's, that's changed that a lot over the years were, is um, ballistics programs yeah. and b- ballistic yeah. calculations where um, we used to just have to basically keep logbooks and kind of figure things out and, and uh, draw some correlations with what we saw where now um you know all the all the new young guys are way more savvy at all that technical stuff than i am but (laughs) but basically yeah they can they can learn to they can learn to shoot and the the all the all the environmental things once they learn to read the environment then it's calculations Mm. are done makes it makes it not easier just makes it more not take as long to learn, I guess. Is there a downside that, that guys don't necessarily get the, the rounds down range in that prep process? Because no doubt doing all that, that work logging that data, you, you shot a lot of rounds. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think what you see is, is you see top-level competitors that don't necessarily have the experience of having shot out a lot of barrels, loaded a lot of ammo, and uh, so they're experience may not be as deep in a lot of ways that the older us older shooters assume that it is right we mm-hmm. assume that they have experience that they don't that they don't necessarily have yeah that, that's obviously a big a big shift in in how people have gone about it isn't it you know? <laughs> yeah that's and, that's right and you, you question whether or not someone who uh who perhaps put implemented the old way of doing things now and got those rounds down range whether they you know their fundamentals would be more squared away or don't know. <laughs> yeah, or we're just see. more set in our ways. One or the other, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, this is uh, you know, things do move forward, don't they? They do change, and you know, no doubt, you know, with what you're doing with with impact and uh, and with your own uh, stuff as well, that you, you do things differently now than you would have. Yeah, that's, when, that's when you for started. Sure. That's for sure. Yeah. What, yeah. What's been a, the biggest change for you in terms of from when you started your business, when you left surgeon to, to where you are now. As far as, as far as from a, from a business aspect. Yeah. Well, you, you obviously you, you I, I bet you that your business looks different to when you started to what you're oh, doing yeah. on a oh, day yeah. day now. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the biggest change I think is, is tuning in more on what the competition, competition shooters want and need and focusing on that particular product, basically mm. building something that, that, that they that will be that they'll be able to take and go in a match with and uh, kind of narrow the um, narrow selection down to things that that, that are working only use yeah. only use products that I personally like and trust and would want in my competition guns myself. Mm. And and you've have you gone down more of a niche since starting that you perhaps you did a little more more general work, but now you're really only yeah, building. Yeah, that, that that's that's definitely the case. Um, like uh the rifles that I'm building now I'm only using our impact actions to yep. uh to build um the foundation stocks are taking off very you know er- mm. everybody's really liking the foundation stocks and hey, even the AI shooter was even the was, AI shooter yeah was yeah. fairly close oh, yeah. I admit nothing <laughs> I, yeah as a matter of fact i ordered i called john collin ordered him a rifle last night because i could tell that he was converted by the <laughs> yesterday. No, they, and, and this is a real let me open this door butters and behind the door <laughs> we have ready for you live on air no they are they are very nice stocks i will give him that you're only saying that because he gave you a hat <laughs> 
Don't tell him that. (laughs) (laughs) He only gave him a hat because his hair looked like that. (laughs) (laughs) Had to cover it up. (laughs) That's how his hair looks all the time. Uh, no, we, yeah, we were there today, as you know, and and uh, we did a we did a podcast with John Cole. They are they're a, they're a sensational beast. Yeah, mm, they're very nice. Uh, magic that that's a piece of canvas. Well, it's not quite a piece of canvas. <laughs> but effectively, you've got a piece of canvas yeah. wrapped around your, your your piece of steel to to yeah. win competitions. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's surprising and it's amazing how the kind of uh, um, following that it's had when it's. It really, it's modern, but it doesn't look modern. No, you know, it's not. It's not the direction that everybody would have expected. No. You know, with the popularity of chassis and all that kind of thing. But it's good. It's the re, it's the reliability and the ease of installation of a chassis, but with a more natural, more traditional feel and look. So I, it, I like it too. But a lot of guys really really enjoy them so you're building plenty of of guns on those yes yep. yes and and what else is is popular that comes through the shop um mostly um like most of the rifles i build are competition rifles so yep. mcmillan a5s mm-hmm. um the manners t4a and the foundation stocks are the, are the most popular Yep, um, and, and chassis still yep. get a good run. Yeah, most of the most of the uh, customers that are buying chassis actually buy the chassis and then just buy a barreled action for me and install okay. it. That makes themselves. sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the the MPA seven hundred inlet chassis is a drop in for the for the impact clears the trigger hanger and everything and the bolt handle, so it yeah. it works well. Perfect. And and lots of barrels. Do you, do you normally like when you send a barreled action out? Is there other barrels going with it, or they come later? Um. I would say about 30% of my barreled actions will be multiple barrels mm-hmm. per action. And, but more like 70% of them would eventually get another, and it would eventually get another barrel. Yeah. And when you're sending multiples out, Wade, are you, are you, are they multiple of the same cartridge or are they a selection or like a trainer in there or? It, the, the, uh, the active competition shooters, the guys that are shooting right now, are generally buying multiple barrels of the same chambering. Yeah. Um, the guys that are just getting into the sport are generally buying different chamberings. And a lot of times right now, they'll buy, say, a 6.5 Creedmoor and a 223 mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, obviously to, to be able to practice on yeah. for a bit yeah. cheaper. That's right. And then uh, yeah. then run something pretty standard in yeah. competition. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's, what are you seeing the most popular, you know, the trends in terms of cartridge? So in 20, in 2017, six, five Creedmoor was more popular than every other cartridge put together. <laughs> wow. And, uh, that's changed a little bit now. Six millimeter Creedmoor has come on really strong. Okay. Um, the six dasher obviously is, is, is popular, but not, not popular to the level that the six Creedmoor is. So I would say, um, I haven't run my numbers for 18, but I would say six, five Creedmoor is still ahead, but six Creedmoor has taken enough that it would make included with all others would be greater than six, mm. six Creedmoor is less than 50% now because six millimeter Creedmoor has picked up so much. And why the Creedmoors rather than like the 47s or the dashes or something? Is that factory ammo? Is that it's, factor? it's factory ammo. It's, it uh, you know, um, the Hornady 6.5 Creedmoor is the only factory ammunition that I know has won multiple national level 
precision rifle matches, just factory out of the box ammunition. So guys are going away from are they they're going away from reloading or they just don't know how to reload that they've always shot factory. Um I I don't think guys are necessarily going away from reloading. I personally have shot quite a few quite a few uh uh PRS matches with with factory ammo. A lot of times it's a time thing. Yeah. And uh okay. um when my youngest son was born up for a couple of years after that, I really didn't get much time with, with my work and mm. the young kids. I really didn't have much time to shoot. So when I got back into it, um, I chambered a barrel for six, five Creedmoor and bought a few thousand rounds of six, five Creedmoor ammo. And that was probably one of my most successful years as a shooter because I spent all my free time shooting, getting yeah. back into it where before I spent half of my time loading and half of my time shooting, I never took my rifle out of my truck. I really gotcha. never cleaned it either, but that's another story <laughs> for another day. But but I shot it all the time. I just shot it like, you know, like mm. there was no end of the ammo, and uh, it really made a difference. And it made more difference than what little bit of vertical dispersion might have been caused by not having hand-weight ammunition. Yeah, just that that it com- being really comfortable with that particular setup yeah. and just yeah. rounds down range. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that, isn't it? Yeah. Rounds down range make good shooters. You, you used to put a lot of rounds down range. Once upon a time, <laughs> I was actually in the so in the la the month before we left for this trip, mm-hmm. I'd put more more rounds down range than I reckon I did in the previous six months before that. I reckon I put more rounds down range over here than I have it last year. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't count twenty twos, I reckon I'm probably about on, on par for that. It's been uh, it's been been good good start to the year so far. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Where do you see things going, Wade? I know that's a bit of a open ended question, but is there anything that you sort of thinking might happen, or um, from from equipment through to series through to? I think that. Uh, um, that precision rifle in, in general is still in a very fast growth mm-hmm. time. It's it um, We're growing very fast. Um, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of, a lot more transition into long range hunting. Okay. Basically as an offshoot from, the, from competition shooting. Yep. And I also think that uh, in the, the rifle industry that, um, situations such as our interchangeable barrels and chassis systems, basically user serviceable rifles are going to become more and more popular in the next few years. Yeah. So, you know, one one of the things that we definitely saw at shot was, was everyone getting on board with the the precision rifle world. We, you know, we've seen that more and more every year, but Everyone's got a rifle out. All the major companies are turning their attention yeah. to precision rifle. That, that, um, that's right. It, it was interesting that uh, we went to the Dallas Safari Club just here recently, mm-hmm. and uh, the rifle builders there that build the you know the wooden stocked, blued um, hunting rifles, African rifles, things like that. Almost all of them had a section where they had fiberglass stocked wow. precision rifles. Where previous years you just didn't see that. They wouldn't have dreamed yeah. of it, would yep. they? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So even at that level, it's yeah. it's happening everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, no doubt. I expect that 
you know, it's growing so rapidly that there's just, there's, there's growing pains that, that come come along with that until the sport <laughs> matures, isn't it? Is, yeah. Until yeah. the sport it's... gets a good, I mean, you, you said you've been doing it for 20-ish years. Yeah. But in a formal capacity, it's eight, there are seven, eight yeah. years. Yeah, that's that's and about right. Once that yeah. probably hits 10, 10 plus years, the, the sport will continue to mature and, you know, I guess yeah. we, we, so we yeah. see how it all goes. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, moving away from, moving away from, gunsmiths to some degree for the yep. more minor jobs. Yep. So, That's right. Well, at least you've already jumped the, jumped to the next, uh, <laughs> next point. You're preparing to, to, to wipe out some of that gunsmithing jobs. Yeah. 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 A- any other, you know, in terms of the, the world of scopes, we just had a play with a zero compromise scope t- today. Um, is there any, any way you think scopes will end up going? Um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, there are, uh, there have been some range finding scopes in the past and some yep. scopes that, that, um, uh, in the, showed you your, your dope as it calculated, mm. um, the, the Revic, um, yep. but, uh, um, I really haven't stayed up on optics enough to know, re- to have a feel for what direction, for what direction optics would be moving. Yeah. I, I think you, you've hit it though. I think that there is more and more research and time being spent into those electro sort of yeah. you know integrations with the optics and you now knowing how things go that seems to be the way things are headed where that ends up who yeah. knows yeah. it'll be uh, be an interesting thing is ai going to come out with something new yes that is yeah <laughs> your prediction no I, I know that they are working on some stuff um they had a little bit of it at the show but very much a prototype stage so they're they're definitely thinking about competition, mm. and they I think they tested some stuff out with their the ASR rifle that they made, and I think they were further on from that towards competition with uh, that uh, their, their rifles. It's been it's been mind blowing in some ways to see so much research and development go into such a, like a narrow narrow area yeah. so quickly, and we've you know we no doubt you you know. You look back five years and where things were at there yeah, to where they yeah, are now. Yeah. It's, it's a different world. It's yeah. a different world in the practical side of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. And are we going to ever get you out to Australia to come and shoot a match? Yes, I am definitely going to come to <laughs> Australia. Yeah, but I'll need to, by, by the way it looks, I'll need to block out about a month. Mm. About like what you guys yeah. did to be able to take it all in. It's just, it's amazing to hear the stories about Australia and how diverse mm that it that australia is yeah you know absolutely well we we look forward to having you over there one day yeah, I, I, and, i'm uh, looking forward to it yeah shooting match are you going to bring bring the the lad oh yeah bring the yeah. whole family yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. have to bring the whole family oh yeah, yeah. that's that's right they'll enjoy it as yeah. well they will yeah. absolutely love it over there yeah, yeah. And, and we've got motorbikes as well that's if you can hear that in the background there's <laughs> motorbike riding around that's uh one of one of Wade's sons doesn't get off that thing. <laughs> That's um, right. Until it's bedtime. It. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much locked in. Uh, but he, he helped us uh, helped us with the video we shot earlier, so that should be up <laughs> on YouTube shortly. <laughs> Terrific. Well, Wade, thank you so much for the last couple of days, particularly. Yeah, I enjoyed take, it. Take enjoyed your it. Thanks absolute for care of us, and it was uh, it was a pleasure hanging out with you. And uh, I think we probably will go get some food shortly. Sounds good. But appreciate you sitting down having a chat with all of us. All right. Sounds good. Thank all the you. best. All good right. luck with the impact and all uh, in Sudaville and and all the other projects that you may have in the works. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you have a safe trip back. Cheers, mate. 
Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics.